You may be seated. Uh, if you're age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway. I had to check with Ryan because last time he tricked me. He uh, added a song, and so I wanted to make sure I was coming up or not. So, never know what's going to happen. Uh, good songs this morning and good time of, of worship. Well, um, as you know, we're not in the middle of a series, and so I've been kind of picking some verses and working through some different passages, and last week we worked on John chapter 14, and we worked at the beginning of it, and uh, Ike pointed it out this morning to me. He says, well, Charlie, you didn't finish all of John, and you know, you kind of started in the middle, and I said, yeah, I know, and I said, guess what? I'm going to do the same thing this morning. I'm going to skip the end of 14, and I'm going to start in chapter 15 this morning of John as well, and so... I'm going to work through that a little bit. Um, the two messages kind of go together. I knew to hand it that way, but as I was working through it and God was leading, he kind of pulled those two to, together, and it's amazing that even the verses this morning um, coincide with that. In fact, the last song, three and one, was last week's message, right? We talked about God the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the connection between uh, the three of them, but they're all together in one, and we do believe that, and we can see that clearly in Scripture, and how we need all of that together to help us in our spiritual walk, and as believers. As I mentioned with John, uh, just a little bit of background information, uh, John's gospel is a little bit different than the other gospels. Mary Luke have um, more historic, um, they have a lot more um, miracles and things that happened. Um, they also have different audiences, right? Matthew is to Jews, Mark is to Gentiles, uh, Luke, I mean, Luke is to Gentiles, uh, Mark is actually to the Romans. Man, I'm losing my, my train of thought already. I feel like Don this morning he gets thrown a curveball. But it happens. Don't all look back at the sound booth either. That's always it. But they're written for different groups. John is a little unique because John's story is a love story, and it's a story that's directed uh, about Jesus. And it has a lot of Jesus' quotes, a lot of his teachings, but it's talking about Jesus and that relationship. John obviously had a relationship with Jesus, and that impacted him. And so John shows that. That's a highlight. And we talk about that as believers, having that relationship. Right? It's good to know about someone, but it's a lot better to have a relationship and that interaction. And so John shows that over and over again. And so coming back to that, does anyone remember last week? That's right, I had one question for you. Uh, and again, if you're new here, I don't ask rhetorical questions, so I will wait for an answer. But does anyone remember what the one word in John that is said the most? Man, you guys are good. Man, it's good. It's always encouraging to me to, that you remember at least from one week to the next. Two weeks from now, I won't even remember what I preached on, but, but no, believe, right? Believe. It comes over and over again. In fact, it's listed 98 times, that belief. And we talked about that, believing in Jesus, believing in what he did, believing who he is, believing in the resurrection. All those things are vitally important to our Christian walk. And so John brings that into that, and belief is key. So, that being said, the title of today's message is Being Connected. Being Connected. So let's begin with chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. A lot of words, right? right? Going back and forth. And Jesus is speaking here to his disciples. Again, he's getting close to that time where he's leaving. And he's trying to push as much information as possible. He's trying to help them. He's preparing them for what lies ahead. What's one of the words you notice that comes up a lot, especially in those last two verses? Remain, right? Over and over again, remain, right? Some translations say abide, uh, abide in. Um, That connection, that staying connected to and being part of and intertwining is kind of the thought here. Interestingly, he uses the vine as the illustration. I could try to come up with another one, but that wouldn't be helpful because the vine is actually a really good illustration. You know, Jesus is the master teacher, and many called him rabbi for a reason because he was the the ultimate teacher. And so I'm not going to try to outdo him with another illustration because it'll fall apart. But the vine is an interesting one, especially with um, grapes. Um, Quite often, Jesus used the vine to refer to Israel, and they were to bear much fruit, but only as long as they stay connected to the Father. He also talks here about pruning, right, Uh, and cutting off. Ryan, I thought you were going to steal my message. You were, you were right on the, right? Some of those things that we need to get rid of. That pruning is part of it. And if you've ever grown grapes, you have to prune them back. In fact, um, when I did landscape and I had a few grape vines I would take care of, and by no means you want to come to me for advice on that. But um, I was always told you prune it once, then you go back, you leave it for a little while, get a drink, come back outside, and then you prune it again. And you almost you can't cut it back too far. You almost got to really break it down. And it becomes stronger over time. Again, interesting illustration and metaphor here, but think of it as yourself in your Christian walk, right? We talked about cutting things off, but it takes time, right? You don't become a, a new believer and then all of a sudden you just start bearing fruit, right? I know many of you planted gardens recently. Some of you had to cover them up because of the frost this past week. I hear it's supposed to be 90 coming up. I, I don't get Minnesota weather that much, but it's, yeah, just wait a minute, it'll change, right? But a, a plant, when you plant something, it doesn't automatically, there's not going to be, PJ plants and tomato plants, and guess what? There's no tomatoes out there. And I could go out tomorrow, and I guarantee there's not going to be tomatoes on there, right? It takes time. Well, the same thing with a, a vine, but it's the same thing with our Christian walk. It takes time. You have to keep nurturing it. You have to keep bringing it along. And God is patient with us. And he does that. As long as we continue to grow, he continues to work on us. In fact, I can even say in my own life, he even shows things even after many years being a believer that I need to prune or I need to cut out. It's hindering my growth. And so it's a great illustration here. The other interesting thing is if you cut off a branch, a grapevine, you know what? Yes, it's technically a wood, but it's not worth much, right? We don't have a lot of grapevine furniture, you know, not that I know of, right? No, it's not, it's not solid. It's, it's got holes in it. It's, it's weak. It's twisted. Uh, it's not much good for except for producing fruit. But when it becomes dead, it's pretty much kindling at best. Not even great kindling at that. Being a woodsman, I know that's not the best. 
All right, back to the connection. Again, illustration works very well, and so I'm not going to elaborate too much, but you can see the connection in what Jesus is trying to teach here to his disciples. And he goes back, and here's part of the I am's, right? Jesus is making this claim, I am, and that's important scripturally. Uh, in verse 5, the, the I am continually shows that he's God, right? That's that connection with God and, and how those two intertwine. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. A couple of things that you can draw out of that, right? God just doesn't want us to produce fruit, okay fruit, or a little fruit. It says here, much fruit, right? God wants us to produce much fruit, or a lot of fruit, good fruit. And so you say, well, that's, that's fine and good, but how does that happen? Well, it happens through pruning. It happens through those cutting things. There's the, the negative things that need to happen that need to take place. But it also takes that being connected, that connected to, to God. You see that clearly in this passage, right? I'm the vine, and you have to remain in me, and it's a, it's a back and forth. That relationship has to grow. We also see there's some other helpful hints in here. It says, if we remain in my words, right? Where do we get Jesus' words today? Bible. Yeah. Yeah, we're blessed. We have it. God's given us that gift of, of the word. He's brought it to us, and we have it. And, and especially here, we have no excuse not to have it. I have it on my phone. I have three or four Bibles. I have it pretty much anywhere. You folks even get it up on the screen. I mean, we, we make it simple to have it, but so many times we get lax in spending time in it. I want to know it. Was it true, right? If I want to grow, if I want to know something, I need to, to read it. I need to study it. I need to spend time in it, right? I know us men are guilty of this and not reading the instructions, right? We, we tend to just try to jump in and try to put something together, right, without it. I did that once to a, a microwave cart for PJ. We got this great gift and had all these funny stickers on it and I'm taking it out of the box and I'm peeling the stickers off and I'm laying out all the pieces and all of a sudden I realized that those stickers were the numbers and I needed those in order to put it together and I had no idea. And I think I took it apart and put it together about three times and it never was quite right. Emmanuel. Same thing with our lives. We have to read the instruction manual. And God's given us his word to be able to do that. We can look at scripture and say, all right, I have a problem. Let me come to God. How do I fix this? How do I grow? How do I produce more fruit? And we have it. We have it in God's word. But we have to remain in it. Another thing I've found through the years is that I can read Scripture once. Like I've, I've actually made it all the way through the Bible. I've read through it a couple times. Sometimes I was forced to. Sometimes I did it on my own. But I've read through it. Do you know what? I have to keep going back to it. I have to continually read it. And every time I do, 
I won't say every time, but almost every time, God speaks something different, or he'll show me something different, or something will pop out of the page. Am I the only one that that happens to? Good. I was getting worried there for a minute. But but have you ever, you read a passage, and all of a sudden, it like, it jumps out and says, oh, I've read that passage before, but I never saw that that way. You know, we talk about the Bible being alive, right? It speaks. It crosses generational bounds. It crosses where we are in our walk. It crosses all those things and comes to life. But we still have to read it. We still have to spend time in it. And it has those answers that we need for life. So we see that connection here. Verse 7 is one of those verses that, you know, I I know I'm picking this scripture. Ike was chiding me, but this verse actually gets picked out a lot. It kind of gets pulled out of context, and it goes way out of bounds with it. So just be careful as you read it. It says, um, I'm just going to read it again. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Right? Name it and claim it, right? I want a new boat. God, give me a new boat. Right? Well, God should give me a new boat, right? And it's not contextually what it's talking about here. Remember what's around that. It's about being in tune with God, being connected, being... Now, God could give me a boat. That's not saying that, that that's out of his will. But it, it's not in his will up to this point. Right? The key is being in his will. Being aligned with the Father. Right? That relationship, if I'm in relationship with him, I'm going to know what God really wants me to do and how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to behave, and what I really should be asking for. That connectedness is, is vitally important in that. And so if God put, lays it on my heart, then when I ask, guess what? It's going to happen. Because we're going to be in tune with each other. We're going to know exactly what it is. And again, verse 8 is a key verse. It goes with 7 as well. It says, uh, this is to my Father's glory, right? It's to God's glory. It's not something I manufacture on my own. It's something that God does for His glory. I always like to put it this way. Always give God credit, right? Always give God credit. If something good happens, if something happens supernatural, give God credit for it. Don't try to take credit for it. Because you know what? No matter how hard you try... You'll, you'll mess it up at some point. You will. We, 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 we can't do things out of God's will that are good. We need his help. But if it does turn out, it's to God's glory. So, And again, he um, refers back to his disciples, showing themselves to be my disciples. John speaks a lot of that, that relationship with the disciples and Jesus, and talks about discipleship going beyond, obviously. If you read first and second and third John, it talks about that relationship going beyond after Jesus' death, right? That disciple being a student of God, continuing. It's all connected with this. All right, let's go on a little bit here in verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. All right, he's shifted a little bit here, right? It's talking about connecting, but now he's, he's pulling in that other word, that, that four-letter word, that love word, right? That hard, hard thing to do, isn't it? Right? Is it hard to love? Is it hard to love? I'm not saying it's hard to love me. God, that wasn't the question I asked, but, but right? It, it takes work, right? 
I've, we've talked about this. We've, we've done whole messages on that, right? Love is an action word. Love takes work. If you want to, if you don't think so, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Those, that famous love passage, right? All those things that you have to do, being patient, being kind, gentle, self-control, and all those other things that go with loving that one that I like to forget, keeping records of wrong. Right? I try to keep that list. No, but that love word. Right? It's easy to love those who love you, but it's difficult sometimes to love those who don't love you back. In fact, it's even harder to love those who hate you. But yet, that's the calling here. And again, Jesus set that example, right? He came to a world that did not accept him, that hated him. Yet he still went to the cross for them. We'll see how important that is. So he brings in the love word here in, in verse 9. In verse 10, he says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I obeyed my father. I've told you this. And he and remained in his love. I've told you this so that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's a lot here in these verses, right? Again, back to that obey, right? Obeying my commands. We even mentioned that last week, right? That's part of what the requirement is as believers and part of being a disciple is obeying God's command, right? Sinning does not produce fruit, right? Sinning is not being a good representation of Christ. It's not being a good disciple. And so we need to be aware of that. And again, we have that instruction. We have his words, we can easily see what his commands are. And in case any of you are wondering, well, hey, Charlie, but there's some gray areas. There's some things that are not mentioned in the Bible. If you were here last week, remember I said we were also given that extra little gift, right? What's that extra gift that we've been given? It's part of the three in one. Holy Spirit, there we go. I know, I had to help a little bit. Maybe you weren't following my train of thought. I, I'll, I'll give grace from that one, right? But the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit lets us know. It guides us. We called it the counselor. And I said some people call it the comforter. But either way, there's, there's comfort in it. But it helps guide us. It helps fill in those blanks. When we come to those whys in the road, pray and ask God, and he'll lead us through his Holy Spirit from within. And so we have that gift as well. Right? So obeying his commands, uh, loving, having the spirit. And then he brings in joy. Does anyone not like joy? Right? No, no one's raising their hands. So no one, y'all like to be, you like joy, right? We like having joy in our life. We, we take enjoyment in things. Yeah, I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to that one. I, I kind of like that. I don't like being down or uh, disgruntled or upset. But it's a joy here that goes beyond just the word and just the, the temporary and the, the outside. It goes a little bit. It says that your joy may be complete. Right? Being secure in that love and that relationship brings us joy. Peace works with that as well. See how they're all connected? It's all part of that. And may I say, I'll also say that that love and that joy are part of the fruit that he's talking about here. Again, when he talks it to completion, that's going to be beyond, beyond measure, much, as it says here. 
All right, now he's going to put some feet to it. Now you get some more work to do. Or I have some more work to do. We all have more work to do. My command, right? Whenever you hear that, my command, it's pay attention. And here it is. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Ouch. I look at that and say, that's a daunting task. That's hard to do. I'm not saying you're hard to love, but you know what? We have people in our lives that are hard to love, right? But when we look at Christ as our example, we say, whoa, woe is me. Man, that's hard to do. That's, that's a lot, right? That's a challenge, right? It says, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus spent time with them. He sacrificed for them. He gave his life for them. Verse 13, here goes with Memorial Day as well, and probably why God led me to this passage. And Joe, your verse lined up, well, when you got the right verse, it lined up with it, but, uh, but it was all good. Romans is good. I, I agree with you. All 16 chapters are wonderful. But verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Greater love up so that he lays down his life, right? Sacrificially, giving up, right? Giving up our own will, giving up our own life, devoting ourselves for the sake of someone else, right? Now, I know it's Memorial Day, and I know many have sacrificed, um, but we don't often know the motives of each and every soldier. We appreciate the service, certainly, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But again, this is talking about our spiritual life and our, our giving up our life now, immediately, right? I believe this is a continuation of a believer's life, giving up and sacrificing, laying down. It's one teacher I remember being taught myself, right? Giving up my, my wants for the sake of someone else, right? Giving way. That takes on a little bit deeper meaning, right? But that's what we do if we love someone, if you're in a marriage relationship, you, you get that, right? You're, you, you have to give up certain things. There's, we call it compromise, but really it's quite often not compromise. It's giving up for the sake of someone else. I was joking with Heidi this morning. She asked me that, that awful question this morning, by the way. Have you been fishing lately? And I said, no, I have not been fishing yet this weekend. I've been working on doing some things. PJ had a pretty good list of things that she wanted to get done this weekend, and so I'm working off that list. And I can't tell you I always had the right motivation for it because part of me wants to just get it done so I can get out on the water and go fishing. I'll, I'll, I'll confess. You can tell her. She knows. But in a small way, that's part of the showing the love, right? She has some things that she wants to get done and she needs my help with. And so I give up fishing to go do that in a sense. And for you that know me, fishing, uh, that's a big deal for me. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. It is a big deal, but it's not more important than PJ. And so you give up those things. And so it's the same thing here, but we're to continually do that with everyone we come in contact with. In fact, it extends not only to those who are believers, but it extends to those who are non-believers. Again, I'm not talking about sin here, but giving way. And so we have to, again, trust the Holy Spirit with that, but that's part of that showing love, part of showing who we are as disciples. 
Okay, so if that's not enough, guess what? There's more. Look at verse 14. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I will, I know, will no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. It's a big shift here, right? We, we talk about relationship, but Jesus clearly makes a change here with his disciples, right? It's not a, a, a one-up and one-down, a servant and master, right? Again, that, that word servant, we, we, we put that in the English language to make it sound a little better, but really it means slave. If you look, it's the same word in the Greek, right? So it's a, it's a slave-master relationship, right? And so it's not a, hey, you just have to do what I say, you know, one of, one of my biggest pet peeves is doing something and not knowing the purpose for it. I have a hard time with that. I really struggle at mindlessly doing something if I don't know there's a, an outcome. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe you guys at work you have no problem with that, right? But we all like to do things with a purpose. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm letting you know my purpose because purpose, guess what? We're in a friendship. We're together. We're in a relationship together now. It's changing. That's a big deal when Jesus calls us his friend. It changes a lot in the relationship. That closeness. Right? And again, he, he's that connector for us, right? From God the Father. He lets us in on God's will with our lives. It's important. It's been a that relationship is vital, and that's why we, we emphasize that. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's a little bit of a reminder there, right? Again, yeah, Jesus and his disciples are friends, but he's saying, hey, you didn't come up with this on your own. I'm the one that made this possible. I'm the one that bridged the gap. That's vital as well. That's critical to our walk, realizing that, right? I chose you. Ernie and I were just talking about this morning, and I think I've mentioned this before as well, but, you know, God doesn't have to use us, but he chooses to use us. Don't ask me why, because nine times out of ten, we mess it up. But really, he does. He chooses to use us, and we get blessings from that. Right? Same thing here. Jesus said, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Right? He, Jesus is passing that on. Hey, I'm going to give you some, some, some tools to work with here. I'm giving you some, some help, but I want you to take that and go out to others with it. That following the example and going beyond that. Sorry, something just ran around outside. I don't know what it was, but they may have lost a kid. I don't know. That's something. Anyways, sorry, I, I get distracted. Um, and then lastly here, as he brings us back around, he says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. So it's a great place to end it, right? This, this section, right? Again, another reminder. This is my command. Love each other. Great way to, to leave today. And one of the, the, the connectors is that love piece. 
right? But that love is not just for us, not just that individual. I, I get concerned when I hear people say, hey, my, my relationship with God is really good, but I'm really struggling with that person over there, right? Again, I've mentioned that as well, right? I, I can't say that I'm, I'm having a fight with this person and say my relationship with God is all right. The two don't jive. They just don't work, right? There's a connectedness that we have as believers with each other, right? Paul mentioned over and over again the unity, that love that binds us together in Corinthians. We need each other. We need the encouragement. We need the love between us to help keep us connected as well. And you know what? We need God's help. I'm not saying any of you are hard to love, but it takes work. Just like I know it takes work to love me. And it's the same as that relationship. And so he reiterates that. Love each other. So, I've given you a lot. I know. This passage is packed full. It's, it's chock full. As I was wearing it, I said, man, I could break this up into a, a series. And, but I wanted to give it to you in light of last week, and we're having a special speaker next week. And so um, my hope and my prayer is that you'll take some time this week and maybe go back and read chapter 14 and read 15, because they really do go together really nicely. And again, Jesus is preparing them for what's to come. Right? And hopefully this will prepare you for what's to come this week. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad week, but it very well could be. You'll certainly have some challenges this week, I'm sure. Most weeks are that way. But remember back on these things. So what can we take away this morning? What what are just a couple of the things that we can grab from this message? One, being connected is vital in order to bear fruit. Right? And being, again, talking about being connected to Christ, being connected to God. Being connected is vital to obeying God's commands, right? The two are connected, right? In order to stay connected to God, I've got to obey his commands. I can't be pursuing sin, can't be doing those things that are not, that are against God's will, right? There's some benefits. Being connected is vital to having joy, right? We get joy by being connected to Christ. And then lastly, being connected is vital to love and to be loved and to loving others, right? All part of being connected, all part of staying close to that that vine in the illustration here. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we want to be connected. We want to stay connected. We need your help. Lord, continue to do your work in our lives. Continue to help us to not only see people as you see them, but to love them as you loved us and as you loved them. Give us the strength. Give us the power. Give us the courage to do the things that you've told us to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.